Well, let's take our Bibles, turn over to the book of 1 Samuel. Wow, that's a great song, amen? Tremendous message there, huh? <clears throat> well, amen. 1 Samuel chapter 30, beginning in verse 1. Again, we've been dealing with secrets of successful living, and we've been addressing this issue of what to do when trouble comes, and uh, we're going to continue with that, and uh, we have, well, up to this point, dealt with the idea or the thought of the reality of trouble, and today we're going to jump into the recipe and try to see what some of the things we can do in the midst of trouble to kind of, uh, I guess, uh, deal with it, face it, and to overcome it. So let's go ahead and begin reading in 1 Samuel chapter 30. In verse 1 it says, And it came to pass, when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, and smitten Ziklag, and burned it with fire, and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess, and Abigail the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself and the Lord his God. Again, in part one of our lesson, we noted the reality of trouble. And we said that trouble is very real and it comes to every single one of us. Even as God's children it comes. Just because we're the children of God doesn't mean trouble is going to miss us by any, any stretch of the imagination. We noted that God allows trouble in our lives, and He does that in an attempt to increase our trust in Him. We also learned that we can be that 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 um, we can also bring trouble on ourselves. That at times it's our own fault. We may fail to obey the Lord, but no matter the reason for trouble, it can be a blessing in disguise if indeed we allow it to draw us closer to Him. And that's really the the goal. God always wants us closer to Him. Now, again, in our mindset and from our perspective, sometimes it doesn't, you know, that's not really something that maybe we're looking at as, as the ultimate goal. You know, we would prefer comfort. We would prefer ease and uh, those kind of things probably. But God sees things in a much more long-term fashion. He doesn't look at the immediate only. He sees the, the, in the distance. And God wants us to be drawn close to Him because in the end, that's what's going to make the difference. That's what will actually benefit us the most is if we're closer to Him. So if it's going to take a little bit of trouble in our lives now, it's going to be in the long run for the best. At least that's indeed what the Scripture teaches us. And so we noted the reality of trouble. And tonight, as I said, I want to look at the recipe for trouble. And, of course, that's always something that all of us could use because we're all going to be found in trouble at some point or another, right? So we're going to have a word of prayer, and I'm just going to give you a couple thoughts tonight, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be done, okay? So let's pray. Father, we come to you. We thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather tonight. Thank you for these that are here. We do pray that you would work and move in our lives. We are a needy people. Every one of us, as you well know, Lord, are going to face trouble. If we're not in it now, we'll be in it probably pretty soon. 
And Lord, if it does hold off for some time, that's wonderful. But sooner or later, we're going to need the principles that we're going to address tonight. We thank you for David. We thank you for his testimony and his example in trouble. We just pray that you would now use his situation to be an encouragement and a help to us tonight. We love you. We need you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Again, we have touched on it in the past, uh, but as we look at verse 6, it's an interesting thing. It says, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. We know that the group of men that had been following David now have turned on him, and we understand that to some degree David is the reason they're in that predicament and that situation. I mean, uh, we, we understand that. However, what we're going to find is that David handles the situation a little different than most of us do. And the reality is, is that if we want a good example of how to deal with trouble in our lives, then, and, and then we need to follow David's. The Bible tells us that when he's faced with this confrontation, when he is faced with all of this opposition, when he is faced with all of this trouble, the Bible says that David encouraged himself and the Lord is God. When everyone else was uh, basically so grief-stricken that all they could think about was wounding or hurting their leader, when, when they found themselves so burdened down by the trouble that they, they were in, David, he says, listen, I, I've got some troubles. I've got some problems. Not only have I lost my wives to the enemy, not only have I lost my children to the enemy, not only that, but now I've got my own men that are turning on me and want to take my very life. And yet David, instead of losing his mind, instead of running around like a chicken with his head cut off, instead of David, like many of us, find ourselves at times in trouble and we, we can't pray, we can't think, we can't do anything, or we try to take the bull by the horns and handle the situation, David slows down a minute, he stops to think for a moment, and he comes to grips with the reality that there's only one person in the universe that can help him. And that's the God of heaven. And boy, the Bible says that not only did he go to God, but he encouraged himself in the Lord. You know, how many times have you been discouraged? You know, how many times do, have I been discouraged? How, how often do we get discouraged and we run to others for that encouragement? And we run to them even before we go to the God who has all power at his disposal. So let's give you a couple of things here as we look at David. Number one, I can, the recipe, I'll give you a couple of things. Number one, remind yourself that you belong to him. When you find yourself in trouble, remind yourself that you belong to him. Talking about God. Again, David encouraged himself in the Lord. Notice what it says here, though. He encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. Can I tell you that God will do you no good until you understand that he is yours? And I tell you what, your God doesn't help me a bit. It's my God that helps me. And God better be your God. And someone says, well, wait a second, my God helps everybody. Uh, yeah, that allows him to help them. And listen, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, the truth is, is just because he's helped you doesn't mean he helps me. I want him to help me. He's my God. And if he's not your God, you got a problem. You can rest upon that assurance that he's your God. We belong to him. Second Timothy, turn there, would you? <clears throat> I think this passage will even help solidify what I'm trying to express and say here. I just like David's boldness, and I like David's confidence here. 
I mean, the Bible tells us that he encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. I'm going I'm to go to my dad when I got a problem. I don't go to your dad. Your dad could care less. But my dad cares because he's my dad. And I'm his child. And he better be my God or I won't go to him. That's kind of scary when you think about it, isn't it? When you consider how often we fail to go to him. Notice what it says here. 2 Timothy 2.19 Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having the seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. <clears throat> what an amazing relationship we have here. The Lord knoweth them that are his. And if I am his, he is mine. Isn't that wonderful? Do you really grasp that concept? That the creator God of all the universe says that you are his if indeed you've placed your personal faith and trust in Christ? That means that he is yours then. I don't know about you, that ought to get you excited. I'm not so sure anybody is, but that ought to get us excited. My, oh my. What an amazing relationship. You know, I've often heard, uh, you know, that membership has its privileges. And, and you know that's true. Well, being a part of the family is a game changer. In Romans chapter 8, verse 16, the Bible says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, I've heard some sayings from about parents concerning their kids, and one of them I read was this. I may seem quiet and reserved, but if you mess with my children, I'll break out a level of crazy that'll make your nightmares seem like a happy place. <laughs> I read another one that says, me? Yes, I'm sweet, kind-hearted, and generous. But if you mess with my children, you may see Oda Psycho in a blink of an eye. <laughs> I like that one. Oh, to psycho. <laughs> yeah, of course, these are women. But anyway, um, <clears throat> I, I was just, the pictures were of women that were saying these things. Because, I mean, a man's not sweet and, you know, kind-hearted. But you mess with a, you mess with a mom's kids, I'm telling you what, you got yourself a problem. You know what, the truth is, is that he's our father, he's our parent. And you know what, uh, man, we have him to turn to. And he cares about us. Hey, remind yourself that you belong to him when you're in the midst of trouble. Number two, it's important that we recall his past mercies in our life. But we've got to remember the past and what God has done for us. But when you're in the midst of trouble, it's easy for any of us to get discouraged. It's easy for any of us to kind of fall, kind of get behind on things in a sense emotionally. We find ourselves, if we're not careful, grasping for straws. If we're not careful, we find ourselves so distanced from the things of God that, that boy, we can fall into a bad place quick. And I'm going to tell you something. You've got to remind yourself of His past mercies. You've got to continually remind yourself of what God has done and in the past. Boy, what wonderful ways he's worked with us. He's been there for us. He's led us. He's blessed us. He's provided for us. He's used us in the past. And we can't forget those things when we're in trouble, when we're in a mess, when we get bad news from the doc, or when we have issues with family, or when things aren't going our way, or we lose a job, or things aren't 
turning out the way we intended. We can't forget what God has done in the past. Thomas Obadiah Chisholm, he was uh, born in a log cabin in Franklin, Kentucky in 1866. He received his education in a little country schoolhouse. And at the age of 16, he began teaching in that same schoolhouse. He was saved at the age of 27. He had no college or seminary training, but he was ordained to the ministry at the age of 36. He served as a minister for about one year. And that's all that he could serve because of such ill health. It made it impossible for him to continue in that ministry. And so he moved to Vineland, New Jersey, where he opened an insurance office. He was always interested in poetry. And Chisholm wrote hundreds of poems during his lifetime. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23 says, says um, well, actually it was the verses that inspired him to write the words, for great is thy faithfulness. And the, the, the verse goes like this. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Chisholm, Chisholm he experienced that faithfulness. And he suffered ill health basically his whole life most of his adult life at least, and he never really made much money at all. But he made this statement. He said, God has given me many wonderful displays of his providing care, which have filled me with astonishing gratefulness. I mean, here's a man who, who was saved at 27, who found himself in the ministry at 36, who there, after a year, his health f- failed him. I mean, he could have easily looked at God and got angry, could have been upset and said, wait a second, I'm finally serving you. I've given my life to you. I'm just trying to do your will. But instead of getting angry with God, he allowed the Lord to have control of his life. And in the end, as he looked back, not only did he write a number of songs, not only did he inspire the writing or the song, Great is Thy Faithfulness, with the words that he wrote, but he said, God has given me many wonderful displays of his providing care which have filled me with astonishing gratefulness. Boy, despite that ill-ridden health, Chisholm was quick to remind himself of God's goodness. I'll tell you what, he experienced some trouble in his life. Anybody that's experienced physical difficulties knows what trouble is. And in his particular case, he, in the midst of trouble, remembered the mercies of God The goodness of God. Boy, how we have to do that in the midst of those trying times. Israel had fallen into battle, uh, had had fallen in battle, I should say, to the Philistines, and the ark of God had been taken. Uh, Phineas' wife, of course, that was Eli's son. Eli's son was a priest, not a good one, but he was a priest. His wife had uh, been mourning the loss of her husband and her father-in-law, Eli. She, She would ultimately hear the news that the ark of God had been taken in battle as well. While she was giving birth to her son, she died. But before she died, she named her son Ichabod. Because she said, according to 1 Samuel 4.22, the glory is departed from Israel for the ark of God is taken. Boy, a real difficult time in the history of Israel. A sad time. Ichabod. Ichabod. The glory is departed from Israel for the ark of God is taken. But you know, it wouldn't be long before the ark would be returned by the Philistines. They would return it because of the many plagues that God brought upon them. They didn't want anything to do with that. We'll not go into the details. But I can say it was a problem, trouble. And so the ark returns. 
And then a few chapters later, we'd see that the ark is now uh, being used to give great victory and blessing to Israel all over again. And the man of God would note that Ichabod had turned to Ebenezer. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12, it says, Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shen, and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Hitherto. Boy, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Where once the glory had been departed, the Lord was now seeing helping them. God was always desirous, and he was always longing to help the people of God. That's not something new with God. Even when the ark had been taken, God was still waiting for Israel. God wanted to be blessing Israel. God wanted to be able to share his goodness with the people of God. And you know what? He was doing that. Even after that battle, when that ark was returned, wherever it sat, the people around it were blessed. Because wherever God's presence is, there's always blessing. One of our great downfalls in the Christian life is found in not remembering what God has done for us. When we forget what God has done, we are just inches away from falling. And that is a reality. The moment you forget what God's done in your past, you're on your way down. When you, when you neglect to remember the goodness of God in your past, it's all over with a shout. That's why God tells us in, constantly in the Word of God to be reminded, to remember, to remember. Because trouble's coming. And in the midst of trouble, one of the great things that you can do in the midst of trouble is to recall his past mercies. Like Luke the physician, we have to admit, for he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. Luke chapter 1 verse 49. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things. When's the last time you said, God, thank you for all the great things you've done for me? When's the last time we really did that? You know, we're quick to ask God for so many things. We're quick to complain about what God has not provided or what still does not exist in our life, the things that we really want that we don't have yet. But what about the great things that he has done for us? Boy, as Americans, we are good at remembering what we don't have instead of what we do have. So number one, we said, when you find yourself in the midst of trouble, one of the recipes, pieces of the recipe is remind yourself that you belong to him. Number two, recall his past mercies. And then number three, remember we said that David, you know, he, he played a role in the, the, the problem that he found himself in. Remember, he uh, had made some bad decisions. He ultimately left Israel. He failed to trust God in that problem and situation, and he ran to the Philistines for help the enemies of God. And now we find ourselves in a mess. Hey, listen, one of the things that we need to do when we find ourselves in trouble then is to turn to him in confession. You know, we better make sure and and ensure, I should say, that it's not us, because it could be. 1 John 1, 9, you know the passage. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If there's nothing to confess, then you and I can boldly go to the throne of grace and we need not worry about that. We can offer our petitions and we can know with confidence that God's listening and he will answer. In Psalm 34, 6, the Bible says, This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. 
That's a good passage, isn't it? When's the last time you said to God, thank you for saving me out of all my troubles? All my troubles. And and you know what? That statement has to be said by faith. Because you're probably going through some troubles now. Or if you got some issues right now and you're saying, well, I don't know. I'll just have to wait and see if God's going to deliver me. Well, he's going to. He always does. The psalmist in Psalm 69, 17 says, And hide not thy face from thy servant, for I am in trouble. Hear me speedily. It would only make sense that you and I would go to God immediately and continually, especially in the face of trouble and trials, difficulties and troubles. I mean, it would only make sense. You know what keeps us from doing that, don't you? It's a five-letter word. It's called pride. Pride often affects the memory. And we forget God in the midst of our troubles. Isn't that the craziest thing? That's crazy, isn't it? You would think that the first thing we would do as believers would be immediately run to the throne of grace. But that's not always the case, is it? We like to run to people. We like to run to to, uh, possibly uh, blogs or books or some kind of other thing. We're quick to get on the internet real fast and figure out what's going on and, and, you know, before we really pray about it, before we really go to God and ask Him even if there's anything really to be worried about, we jump right online and start checking stuff out and trying to figure out when we're going to die. You know what I'm talking about. I got a pain in my side. Uh Uh-oh. I'm getting on the internet. You know, you probably got this and that and it's probably going to be, you know, the worst possible scenario. Of course, it's a pulled muscle. And you'll have plenty of those probably. And the, more you, the older you get, the more you'll have them. <clears throat> but boy, we need to go to God first. That's what we should do at least. The psalmist, he could be heard saying, It's me. Well, it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. He humbled himself. And he goes to the only unlimited power source in the universe. Who's that? Who's the unlimited power source in the universe? The only one. God is, right? Let's say it all together. Who's the unlimited power source in the universe? Yeah. Think about that for a minute. There is no other unlimited power source in the universe but God. Think about that. Wrap your mind around that. Really try to take that in for a minute. And to think that He lives in us. And that we have access to God And he is an unlimited power source. He's the only one in the entire universe. And you have direct access to him. So do I. That's amazing. Now again, the only thing that really messes all that up is a lack of faith. When we start to question or doubt the, the, the reality of God or the presence of God or the power of God, then all of a sudden, It doesn't do us a whole lot of good, no matter how powerful he is. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. You never go wrong by humbling yourself. Someone says, I will not put myself in that position so other people can, 
you know, step on me or, or, or take advantage of me. Well, you'd be better off to do that because in the end, guess what God does for those that humble themselves, whether they're taken advantage of or not? He lifts them up. It may not be immediately, but he lifts them up in due, due season, due time. Wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't, it, wouldn't you rather, instead of lifting yourself up by your own bootstraps, wouldn't it be nice to just be down there and let God come by one day and just grab you and lift you up? To have to look him in the eye, be able to look him in the eye and to know that you did it the way he said to do it. And he picks you up with those compassionate eyes staring on you and think, and you could read his, his mind almost as he looks into your soul. And he says, well done. Number four, when you're in the midst of trouble, another thing that we need to do is inquire of him. We've kind of touched on it. We've been dancing around it all night. We need to inquire of him. And uh, in verse eight of our passage, he, he says, and David inquired at the Lord saying, shall I pursue after this troop? David goes to God. Yes, he encourages himself in the Lord. But then the Bible tells us here in verse eight that he inquired at the Lord. He started asking questions. He started asking how do I handle this? What do I do? What's my next move? <clears throat> ask him what you should do in the midst of your situation. Just ask him. You know, we're quick again to ask others. We're, we're quick to seek perspective and advice. But at times we're very slow to reach out to God himself. You know what? No one corners the market on wisdom like God does. Again, there's no one wiser than God. So he'd be a good person to ask for direction and leadership. We can't afford not to ask God, really. If we want things to turn out the way they should, we better make sure we ask God. Now, hold on. You know what? I, I, I really get tired of hearing this statement. You know, I've prayed about it. I prayed about it. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm glad you prayed about it. Too bad you're pursuing a non-scriptural pers uh, direction. How can we say we prayed about it, but then we're not doing it the way God said to do it? I prayed about it. Oh, that, that gives you the right to do it the way you want then. And I thought if we prayed about it, we'd come to the answer that God gives us in Scripture. How's come it is we can't forgive someone, but when we are confronted with someone that says, have you forgiven? Well, I'm pr I've prayed about it. What does that mean? I prayed about it? What, God told me that it's okay not to forgive, even though the Word of God says to forgive? I've got an out because me and God have an understanding. We're like this. I'm, 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 I'm embracing bitterness. I'm embracing hatred. But I prayed about it. Okay. Well, good. I'm glad you're justified in it. You know, I'm, I'm doing things that are immoral or wrong, but I prayed about it. Okay. Good. Good for you. Good for you. I'm sure that God's going to give you a pass. It sounds like you and him have an understanding. That's all that matters, right? As long as you and God are right, right with each other. Doesn't matter what the Bible says. All that matters is that you and him are okay. I'm good with God. God's good with me. I prayed about it. Oh, okay. I'm going to marry somebody that's unsaved, preacher, but I prayed about it. Well, that's good. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Oh, that's okay. That doesn't count for you, though, because you prayed about it. That one don't matter for you. You get where I'm going with this? I'm telling you, if I haven't heard I've prayed about it, a million times taken out of context, I probably haven't heard it five times. Wait, see, if I haven't heard it, yeah, that's, I think that's how you say it. 
but, but, but I'm telling you, be careful with that I prayed about it thing. Just be careful with that. Make sure that you're not just praying. Make sure that you're seeking. Let's find out what God has to say about some things. Because you know how God answers prayer? Through His Word. You say, through that still small voice. Yeah, that doesn't speak anything of Himself. The Holy Spirit will never tell you to do something that goes contrary to the Word of God. Never, ever, ever. Never. We, live, we, we as believers have a wonderful safety, safety net. It's the Word of God. We don't have to guess. We don't have to wonder what is the will of God. And he outlines it in the Word of God. We don't have to even ask questions like, am I doing the right thing or the wrong thing? Well, we, we just need to dig into the Word of God and find out what He says. Now, there are some situations where we need some leadership, maybe a little bit more detail, but the principles are going to remain consistent. Inquire of Him. Go to Him. The Bible says, Ye lust and ye have not, ye kill and desire to have, ye cannot obtain, ye fight and war, ye have not because ye ask not. Man, we get in a mess, we're in trouble, we're in a difficult spot, we're going through a hard time, we need to just go to God. And we need to ask Him for leadership and direction. Jeremiah 33.3, you know the passage, Call unto me and I will answer thee, shew thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. So do we fail to ask because we we're afraid that we're not going to hear a response. I mean, maybe we don't go to God and ask something because we're afraid we might, we might not get a response. If I go to God and I pray and I don't hear anything in return, then what's that going to say about me? What's that going to say about my relationship? Am I afraid that he's just not going to answer? Am I afraid that he might not really be there? And in my time of need, I'm going to go to him, but I'm not going to hear nothing. And that's only going to confirm my fears that I am all alone. Could it be that we're crying out inside saying, what's the use? What's the use of praying anyway? It ain't going to matter. God's going to do whatever he wants anyhow. What's the point of even saying anything to him? Just saying we need to inquire. We need to go to God. If you're in trouble, go to God. Number five, obey him. Obey him. Notice how the verse begins in verse 9. So David went. Now again, he said, pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David went. You know what David did? The moment he got response from God, the moment that God revealed to him what steps he should take next, David went. He did it. Have you ever been told anything by God and you didn't follow through? Has God ever spoken to you in a service, maybe during a preaching time or teaching time, maybe in Sunday school and you were sitting in that seat, you were sitting in a pew somewhere and the Holy Spirit of God spoke to you through the word of God or the man of God and you knew that there was something you should respond to. You knew there was a step that you needed to take. Have you ever not taken that step? I can tell you the answer in my life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, there's been times I haven't done what God told me to do. <laughs> you're supposed to be the preacher. Yeah, I know. And you're supposed to be Christians. We're all supposed to have Christ in us. We're all supposed to be, you know, Christ-like, right? But, but if you're in the midst of trouble, the best thing you can do is obey him. That's the best thing you can do in the midst of trouble. Be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. 
Mark Twain said, it ain't those parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It's the parts that I do understand. Mark Twain was not a believer. But he understood that that's, that's a problem. Simple obedience can't be beat when facing trouble, I'm telling you. Just be obedient to God. When you're in the midst of trouble, be obedient. Just obey God. Listen, don't quit church. Don't give up reading your Bible. Don't stop praying. Don't stop serving. Don't stop giving. Don't stop doing what you know the Bible says to do. We all got trouble. You're not the only one. What's the Bible saying, Corinthians? 1 Corinthians chapter what? Somebody knows it off the top of their head. I forgot the first. Uh, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but who will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Man, I'm going to tell you something. We all have problems. You're not alone. But don't stop obeying. Just obey. Then number six, trust him. Trust him. Verses 8 and 9. David inquired, of course, and uh, David went. He and his 600 men that were with him. Just the fact that he went, just the fact that he obeyed God said, listen, I'm trusting you and what you said. I'm going to go and trust it. I'm going to get all those back that you said we were going to get back. You promised it. I trust you. I believe it. When God says, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. You know what that means? That means no matter how hot the fire is in your life, he's there with you. And you know what? That's true in my life too. Now, let's all be honest. I can be honest here. I'll just tell you the truth. There have been times in my life when I've had some fire in my life that I've started to wonder, man, I feel pretty alone here. And what do you got to do? Well, we're in trouble, right? So we have to kind of go back and we got to say to ourselves, okay, let's see. Number one, maybe I ought to remind myself that I belong to him. Maybe I need to recall his past mercies. Yep, that's, I better do that. I better remember how he's rescued me in the past, how he's met my need in the past, how he's given me leadership in the past, how he's brought me comfort in the past. Then I'm going to turn to him and confess the fact that my unbelief has placed me in a spot where I've even questioned his presence in my life or his desire to see me through it. Someone says, oh, I've never been there. Good for you. And I'm glad. And I'm not joking. I'm happy. But unfortunately, there's been times in my life when I've started, man, you get a bad review from the doctor. You think something bad's going down in your life. You may be starting to think, man, all's lost. All's lost? When we got the God we have in heaven? And yet our, in our flesh, it's easy to feel those kind of feelings. So we confess. We turn to him and confess some things. Then we say, well, you know what? There's got to be some other things that need to go down. How about if I just inquire at him? I, I speak to him. I go to him. I ask him for leadership and advice. I obey him. And then finally, I, I'm trusting him. I'm going to trust him. We've got to trust him. God makes all of his promises to us that, so that in the end, we can take him at his word. Those promises are good, and we can trust them. And in the end, we get more confidence that his word is good and that we can follow him and that we can put our faith in him, our trust in him. If we had it all figured out already, if you already were trusting God as much as you possibly could today, and you couldn't trust Him anymore, how would you grow? And yet, it's a constant, constant theme in the Bible to grow. All of us can grow in faith. All of us can grow in mercy. All of us can grow in areas of our Christian life. 
None of us have arrived. None of us are at the end of the journey until the day we close our eyes in death. Man, I want my Christian life to be better now or better tomorrow than it is today. I want it to be better next week than it is now. I want it to be better next month, better next year than it is right now. And as long as we've got that attitude, He'll bless us in that. Trouble's going to come, though. And trouble's going to try to shake you off that foundation of faith. The devil wants to get you questioning the God who saved your soul. He wants you to question him. He wants you to question his love. He wants you to question his compassion. He wants you to even question God's wisdom in all of it. He just wants you to question God. Let's make sure that in the midst of trouble that we take steps, the right steps, to get it done. Remind yourself that you belong to him. Recall his past mercies. Turn to him in confession. Inquire of him. Obey him. Trust him. And like we said earlier, acknowledge his goodness. Never question God's goodness. Never. Boy, just trust God. Believe in God. And know that he is good. And he's good always. The Christian life is the best life. It's not always easy. This idea that it's a bed of roses is really not biblical or scriptural. But it is the best life. And it certainly isn't hard like the way of the transgressor. There's a difference. It is still the life. Young people, you want to follow the Lord. You think it's tough being a Christian? You ain't seen nothing yet. Nothing. But I don't want to paint the picture that everything ought to be perfect in your Christian life or in your your regular life. Because if I do that, then all of a sudden you think somehow God's let you down. No troubles are going to come. And that's okay. We have a God with us that will enable us and deliver us. He's big enough to do that. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for this uh, short time we've had together in your word. We ask, Lord, you'd bless us now. Thank you for the privilege that we have to have the Bible, the word of God. Lord, we can carry it with us. We can hide it in our heart. We can apply it to our lives. We thank you for the privilege of the Word of God. Lord, maybe someone's going through some difficult times or troubles in their life even now. Father, the truth is is that they're going to sooner or later if they haven't already. May you help them to truly trust you with it, to take some of these simple thoughts and apply them. Lord, may we not doubt you. May we not somehow neglect you in the midst of our trouble, but may we put you center stage and allow you to be real in our lives. We desperately need you. May we encourage ourselves in you. And Lord, help us to always remember that you're ours and we're yours. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand.